What's happening, people? Welcome back to the Swingman Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, George. And as always, I'm joined by the majestic Louis and Lewis. How are you chaps doing? You well? <laughs> majestic is a bit of a strange one, but I'll take yeah, it. I'm gonna go with it though. Yeah, I know it's it's a it's a bit it's a bit off it's a bit offbeat, but Yeah, not doing too bad, mate. Louis, how how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. Ready to get into some really enthralling NBA, NBA action, not NBA. NBA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna have some enthralling some uh, enthralling business, let's let's talk about how some people were left out and uh, of the NBA All Star Weekend. Who, in your opinion, Louis, who got mugged off the most? <laughs> who got mugged off? <laughs> well, out of uh, I, I mean, I took the liberty. I'm going through each yeah. of our, our picks and seeing yeah. where we all went wrong. No, I don't uh, like... <laughs> I mean, we were right for most of them, a few odd picks, but there's one man that a certain man put in his starting lineup that didn't even, <laughs> it didn't even make the reserves. And that is, yeah. of course, George. You boldly picked Spencer Dinwiddie to be a, a starter. Remember, I, I put him in the reserves as well, actually. So both of us uh, can claim to a snub there, but. For me, yeah, for me, it's definitely Bradley Bill is the yeah, the biggest is. nub of the ball. Um, he himself claimed the snub was disrespectful. Um, at the time the reserves were announced, uh, Bill was averaging 28.6 points, uh, probably a bit more now, actually, because he's gone a bit haywire ever since he yeah, uh, he's got rejected. Just, he's averaging just over 29 now. Well, that is the, the most by any player in NBA history not named to be in an all-star team that is very interesting stuff mm, yeah i mean i was looking at the bradley bill thing obviously i agree i think bradley bill is the biggest snub and he should definitely be in it i don't want to particularly name names of people who should be in over but i'm going to i think he should mm. be in over uh ben simmons or cole lowry not to undermine what they've done because they've both been very good and there's an argument to be made for them being all-stars but personally i'd have bradley Beal in but uh, looking at it I was looking at the whole, the whole, as a whole, the East, and apart from Trey Young, all of the picks, probably unsurprisingly, are inside the tops, inside the top six. So yeah. I was looking at other ones they missed out, which you, you could look at, which is people like Zach Levine, obviously didn't make it. You can maybe look at Vucevic, and at least you could say that they'd been consistent with it because it was only Trey Young that wasn't in that top six. Because of how well he's done and how he's kind of like an anomaly because he's been performing so well. But that's the thing. But that's I would say that Bradley Bill's also been doing that and he should be in it as well. Yeah, exactly. I don't see much of a difference in output between yeah. Bradley Bill and Trey. I think Trey Young's better than a little bit more efficient. But Bradley Bill's team's doing a better than Trey Young's team, which is bottom of the NBA rankings overall. Uh, yeah, George, would you agree that Bradley Bill's a beast snub, or are you still rooting for your boy Spencer? Spencer, no, Spencer I mean, I mean, the Spencer Dinwiddie pick. It weren't I, that was more of I'd like to see him, not I think he'd get in. It was that was my my sort of understanding of 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 those picks. Um, yeah, yeah, that was what they were. It was who we'd like to see. I, I think yeah, your Bradley Bill one was pretty pretty big. I thought it was uh, not surprising, but. I think Devin Booker was a bit hard done by as well, but mm. I can understand why Devin Booker didn't get put in it um, on the record. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, after I made them selections anyway, I know you just said it, but 
uh, after I made them selections, I I thoroughly regretted not putting Ben Simmons in there. Um, he is, and that he deserves to be in the NBA All Star team just based on his defense alone. I think, but um, yeah, I'm yeah, not gonna I'm not gonna hold it against Ben Simmons that he was selected in the All Star team. I think it more for me more than Ben Simmons' performance was that. I don't think you can warrant having two Philadelphia 76ers in the all-star team. I don't think they've been good enough for that particularly. I think, you know, you said that uh, obviously Brooklyn Nets aren't in the top six, but they are still in the playoff position still. And um, I think Spencer Dinwiddie did do a really good job of keeping his team afloat whilst Kyrie Irving was injured, whilst Karis Avert was injured as well. I just think he was more valuable than someone like Ben Simmons. So he's got a really talented team around him, you know, Josh Richardson, Al Holford, Joe, Joe and B, we all know their team. I think yeah. that he's, he's made contributions, but I don't think they're as all-star worthy as someone like Spencer Dinwiddie or Bradley Beal, to be honest. Do you think Eric I mean, Bledsoe was a big snub? No. no. No? I mean, I don't think he's a big snub. I think you can make the case for him to be an all-star. He's a great defender. Yeah, you can make well. the case. Um, I think first. He, he'd be quite far down on my list of people I yeah, put in, so. in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I don't want to hate him. Be... No, I no, did yeah, see, because yeah. um, after it was mentioned, uh, well, I mean, after the, the full teams were announced and obviously Yanis took to Twitter to say that they kind of had 50 wins before All-Star break and they don't have three All-Stars in a game, which then reminded me of the Golden State Warriors team that sent four one year. Um and then when you look at it, and obviously Yanis has been restricted to, well, not restricted, but he's kind of being managed uh, X amount of minutes. I think it's 30 minutes a game, isn't he, on average? Yeah, plays. around about. Yeah, and, and Eric Bledsoe is playing around 35, I think is what the number is. And when you look at, and I know this is not because you're kind of massaging the stats to suit Eric Bledsoe more than others, but when you do, Matt, like when you do, when you do look at it from a per 36 minute, perspective Eric Bledsoe gets more points than Jimmy Butler Carl Lowry and Jason Tatum he gets more boards than all of them by Jimmy Butler and he gets more assists than all of them hmm. interesting start. I didn't know that yeah which was quite surprising I mean I didn't know that as well you know I kind of this has only came out to me after I kind of read up a bit on the whole basis of the Warriors team sending four and then how looking at it now and then looking at the Bucks when they're not even getting three in there and their unbelievable record. Granted, you can say it's been a bit of an easier run of fixtures in, in quotation marks there, but um, that was quite surprising to me looking at that and seeing Eric Bledsoe's numbers on that per I mean, ratio yeah, of his, of his they games. Are, they are decent. Personally, I wouldn't put him in it. I think, I think the main argument is the fact that he's on the Bucks who are the best team in the East. Best team in the NBA. Well, yeah, NBA full stop. You're not wrong. Oh well, no, they got the best. Well, record no, record wise, record wise, they oh, are right, the best. Okay, that, that's what we're going on. Yeah. But what? But hang on, are you you're using that against him? No, no, no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, sa- I'm saying that 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 is the re- the main reason that would propel him into the conversation. I think I'm not, I'm not trying to undermine his stats at the same time, but I'm saying if you, if you're going to include him, that that for me would be the main reason. It's yeah. just, it's just his game himself. I know you said he's. I know you gave some of the examples of how he's been playing the statistics of why he should potentially be in over other people, but personally for me, I, I wouldn't have him in over over the ones that already in and a few others. I do think John Morant had a case actually in the West, considering how much that Memphis team is overperforming. Yeah, but I, and I, I, if you're going to put Chris Paul in, who I think deserves to be in there, I didn't put him in my picks personally, but. I think I can't mm. argue against him being in there. 
I think yeah. he's got similar stats to Ja Morant, and I, I think the levels of of their team, you know, it's it's similar. Um, it's it's hard with the West more so than the East because the West has just got such a big pool of guards that you mm. could choose from. And you obviously mentioned Devin Booker. I've got a handy little stat here that says um no one has ever averaged twenty seven points per game and six a point assists per per game. Sorry. On sixty percent shoot, a uh, true shooting percentage, and missed the All Star team as well. That's another historical president set. Mm. I think a lot of people. I think Devin Booker and Bradley Beal were the two names on people's lips after that All Star reserves announcement. But um, I'll be very surprised if Devin Booker doesn't make it next year. I was, I was surprised he didn't. Make yeah, it year. I thought he would get. I, would, I thought he'd get snubbed. I thought it'd be like you know how Damian Lillard had those yeah. couple of years where he didn't he should have made yeah. it but he's in the west you know there was Russell, Russell Westbrook at his best Steph Curry Chris Paul and then uh I think it's just the same here for Devin Booker it's a bit unfortunate where he plays his basketball so because if he's been playing in the east he might be in the starter position so yeah yeah I, I would say Booker's the biggest snob out of the um out of the west Although I think Bradley Bill is way worse. Bradley Bill should definitely be in it. Like Book Booker, you can make it, I, I can see why he's not in it. Like I, I wouldn't argue with anyone who can doesn't know, put him in there. He's only a couple games off the eighth seed, and I feel like uh, Washington Wizards. I'm not too sure. I haven't checked the latest up to date re- records with them. I'm not sure if they're that close to getting a playoff spot. Yeah, but it's the level of as you were talking about before the le- the level of the people in the West as opposed mm. to the East. I think. I, I think Bradley Bill is, is fine. Bradley Beal's team is terrible. Like, it is yeah. really, really yeah. bad. I mean, I'm not too sure who is the second leading scorer in that. I'd assume it's probably Isaiah Thomas. But he is carrying that team to whatever wins it's got. Not very many, I know. <laughs> and I think that's more valuable than some of the guys that were selected. I'm not going to hate on them, though. You know, they're, they're, no, yeah, all, of those, all of those players. Bryant's not bad. He's okay. He's, you know, he's all right. If he's your second best player, though, mate, come on. I'm not going to hate on any of those players selecting the All-Star No, yeah, I'm not hating on any, anyone, anyone that made it in. They definitely have been playing well. So Yeah, maybe they <laughs> should definitely up. the case. That maybe they should up the players included. I don't know. I don't really like that too much because then it feels less special. You know, it feels yeah, like everyone's like going to get in. But the, the, they, these are the two fact, very bad snubs, I think. Yeah, people are going to miss out. And, hmm. and that's just the case. But I will say the Bradley Bill one I definitely disagree with. Yeah, agreed. Louis also hating massively on his boy Rui Hachimura there by saying that everyone on that team's terrible. Yeah, he's, he's a rookie, and he'll get better, better with time. What's he averaging in points per game if you've got it up? 14. That was not that bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 30, yeah, 13.8, six balls, one and a half assists. Oh, Rui. It's, it's, boy, it's decent go. numbers. It's decent numbers. Decent numbers. Maybe he should be an all star. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's enough. Of, move on? Yeah, yeah, that's enough of NBA yeah, All Star. Let's leave that now until we actually get to the weekend. Uh, so um, we got some we fresh news. We got some fresh. Yeah, news let's go. Let's go to the news just in today. Breaking uh, news. Do you want to introduce this, George? Are we going to go on the Knicks news? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to double check. You know. Got to be that. Um, so earlier on today, about 6 p.m. GMT, um, the New York Knicks announced that Steve Mills was to leave his position. Um, it was a, kind of had a few rippling effects on the basis of that um, it looks like everyone's favourite Mr. Nolan 
is looking after uh, no Dolan. Yeah, yeah, Dolan, Dolan, mate. Did I say Nolan? I meant Dolan. Yeah, you said <laughs> <laughs> um, he, He's looking to change things up for the Knicks, you know, and he's going for that bright new future um, and looking to do another two to three year model. Um, I personally think that he's going to end up going down the route of what um, the Lakers have done and a few others of, of getting like a top, top agent to try and come in and then look yeah, at so. the basketball scene from that perspective because it's just not worked for the Knicks and it, it doesn't know it's going to work for the Knicks for quite a while. Why would you actually reported that he's considering, as you just said, the Golden State or the Lakers model, Ooh. which is hiring a top basketball exec- executive oh, yeah, out of the player agent. Yeah, so, so maybe they go along the lines of that. Obviously, we all know as well that Dolan's dream for a while has been Masai Ujiri, how, how that would actually be able nah. to come to fruition, I don't know. I think that'd be a bit difficult. So. so much. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe the player agent thing's the one that's more likely. I mean, he might, in, sorry, he, he might in a, in, a, in a couple of years, but I can't see why he'd, he'd uh, leave Toronto now for the Knicks. Maybe like give it a few more years in Toronto and then he might think about a fresh start and going somewhere else. Because, I mean, the Knicks will probably still be in a rebuild by then, but... I mean, yeah, it's all up in the air at the moment. But one thing I think we can guarantee at the Swingman podcast is that James Dolan will mess it up. And uh, <laughs> yep. if his record's anything to go by, I don't think they've had one really successful front office or general manager, but basketball are present. They've had them all. They've all had all titles. I remember Isaiah Thomas was there for a couple of years. He was awful. Phil Jackson, obviously, and now Steve Mills, who literally had no other you know, front office experience before this, he was like a VP at Madison Square Garden, and that's obviously where James Dolan hired him from. Uh, yeah, it, if if Knicks fans had any sort of hope that there was any sort of plan at New York going on, that there isn't. It's just as they go along, really. They didn't sign those forty-eight power forwards to be competitive. I don't know what they thought they were doing, really. There. Uh, it's, it's yeah. a funny one. It, I, I think that I do think there is a plan in place, and even though I just called it Nolan and not Dolan, um, I I just think that it's got to be it's got to be something where now they take the team that they've got, and they might as well kind of already cash it in. I know that there's a few rumours about Julius Randle leaving, and then then moving them on now, but I think that the big mistake they made was putting all their eggs in one basket in free agency by letting Paul Zingis go. And then obviously taking the massive L that they did. Um, and they, they've got, a. I really like RJ Barrett and I think he's a good piece for the future. Um, they've got a few other like young players. I, Frank Nilekina, I know they've not been great this year, but Frank Nilekina has actually been quite well, played quite well for them. They've got a few players and like uh, that are, can be good on a team, but they just need to, I think it could have been so different if they had got Zion. It could have been so different of an outlook. But it's, oh, yeah. that's gambling Absolutely. on a literal like you. You, would, I don't know what the chances were. They got that number one pick. Probably quite hard. I think it was like twelve and a half percent. Exactly, and gambling all of that on a not non obviously not very strong commitments from either Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. I'm not sure how KD's Achilles injury changed that. Well, and then I a, think a literal more chance. The, I think it was more that. Kevin Durant would have gone there, but then the Knicks messed it up and didn't offer him a max contract because he went down. Oh, apparently, yeah. 
I think that was but, it, and that probably, for lack of well, I mean, I've said this before to you. I've got zero faith in the Knicks. So, as, as Louis said, I think they'll probably mess it, mess up regardless what happens. So, that's just about my views on the Knicks, and it probably won't I'm in joke. agreement. I want to give the uh, Knicks fans faith because I feel I feel do really feel sorry for them. Yeah, I uh, feel bad for them. They're really the most good. tortured fan base maybe in the NBA. Sacramento Kings, mate. But this, at least the Sacramento Kings were good a bit better, like more recently than the New York Knicks have. They haven't been good yeah. since the 90s. That Carmelo Anthony, sure, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure where this goes particularly from here. Obviously, they'll have a, a lottery pick in this year's draft, which isn't looking too strong in comparison to previous draft years. Uh, and they'll just go again. They'll try sign Yanis or Giannis in the 2021 when he's a free agent. But <laughs> do we have any president to say that he will sign now? I, I, I well, the precedent we have <laughs> makes us think he won't. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's looking a bit bleak. But yeah, um, I'm in you know, agreement. Pope, as George said, RJ Barrett looks like he's going to turn into a good, yeah. Good like so, at least too. there's that. Anything else to add on the Knicks, or should we move over to the trade deadline? Uh, I've got nothing else to say about the Knicks. I think about the one, it. the one thing I will add is that if if the one big sales pitch they could probably make is that. If someone comes in and turns that ship around, they will probably be hailed as a god for doing what they've done in terms I mean, of. They've said that. They've said that for twenty yeah, years. That. Yeah, they have. <laughs> yeah, but it, the fact still remains. Yeah, you're not wrong. It will always remain, and uh, the New York Knicks will always fail. Anyway, let's move on to the <laughs> trade deadline. Damning. <laughs> well, as long as James Dolan's the owner, they will fail. It's uh, well, Knicks fans yeah. know it more than I do. Anyway. Anyway, but, on to trade talk. Go on, though. Yep. So the trade deadline is this Thursday. Come up Fast quite quick. Approaching. Yes, most definitely. And uh, we haven't had any real trades of note. We've had obviously Jordan Clarkson went over to the Utah Jazz. A very uh, confusing one between Portland and Sacramento. Minnesota uh, t- traded Jeff Teague for Alan Crabb. No, no real big names involved in in the talks. But um, according to Woj, there may be a certain big man on the move from Houston. And his name is obviously Clint Capella. Um, it is believed that a couple Eastern Conference teams are in touch with the Houston Rockets in, regarding Clint Capella. It's believed that two of the teams that we know anyway are the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. And according to Kevin O'Connor, also, I will note that the Nets rejected an offer from Houston that would have sent them Capella in exchange for Jared Allen and Torian Prince. They weren't feeling that. So Capella, he's averaging 13.9 points and 13.8 rebounds this season. Uh, he's got a five-year, $90 million contract, which he signed with Houston in the summer of 2018. So those two teams, do you think either make sense? Um, well, I know that, well, apparently anyway, Houston's aim is to get some first-round picks that apparently mm. they want to make into... Or trade to make a, a wing and a center. Yeah. Which brings in some other people that we'll probably talk about in a bit. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the Celtics have got three first rounders at the moment. I don't know. The Nets, the Nets, obviously, they rejected that trade. I don't think that'll, that'll happen. Maybe no, because of the first round picks they want. The Hawks. Um, I'm not sure. The set, I think of those two, the Celtics is probably the most likely, but I, I don't even see that 
happening, to be honest. I'm in agreement with the Celtics making more sense. I, d- I don't understand why the Hawks are so desperate for a big money centre. Obviously, they yeah. had those rumours about Andre Drummond a couple of weeks ago that never really materialised to much. But I, I just don't understand it. I don't see why they're going all in when this team's clearly not ready yet. A very young team, mm. you might as well stick with the timeline. I think the Celtics, obviously, the gaping hole they have in their lineup is a, a, a very good center. They're playing Daniel Feiss most of the minutes there. Uh, mm. And that they, they haven't really been exposed, I'd say, at that position as of yet. They've had a couple games where Joe and B dropped 38 on them, obviously, in December, which was his season high, by the way. Yanis dropped 32 a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of talented bigs in the East, so maybe you could... Danny Ainge is a bit fearful of them matching up against them in the playoffs. Maybe that's a weak point, but um, the salaries are a bit difficult. I feel like they'd have to trade yeah. Marcus Smart, and um, he's very important to that team just as, as an emotional leader more than anything. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Boston makes sense for me a bit more than Atlanta, and I suppose he's on a bit more of an affordable contract than someone like Drummond, but uh, I, I, I'd put... Put a wrong feeling in my stomach is what I'd say. George, what are your, <laughs> your thoughts on Clint? Thing is, is I mean, he's an he gets fourteen and fourteen, I think, is what he averages. Mm. I'm not I'm not hundred percent. That's it's what I'm similar to that, yeah. It's, 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 it's in that ballpark. Yeah. yeah. He's not on small money as well, but I mean for what I don't understand is why the Rockets want to move him. I know they want to get a win, well, but so uh, the the thinking behind it is if it's is, the lane stuff no it's it's the apparently the rockets want a good rim protector unless so like a big center because the, that's a lot is where a lot of not big center no i don't well so that's the question you have to ask but that that is apparently what the, the, i think the Clint Capella's, i know he's under seven feet but the only thing i could understand is if it's affecting the way that Harden and Russ want to drive to the basket if he's always there with a big man. And then in the playoff time, when he's always under the rim, you're going to have like AD, like Rudy Gobert. You're going to have proper, proper elite defenders at the rim that's going to affect the ability of Russ and Harden to go there. What I don't understand is that then, I mean, they've done this a couple of nights and, and they've tried it, I think, a few times already this season. Where they literally, they didn't put anyone on the floor that was taller than six foot six. Like, to start the game and to play the game and to finish the game. So when you're coming up against them teams that have your, I mean, who do you think, who have you got? You've got Jokic, you've got AD, you've got Rudy Gobert, you've got like, even Hassan Whiteside. He's, he's what, he's seven one. Hassan Whiteside, he's tall, mm. he's tall. Like, like, granted then, there's not going to be a big man in the middle realistically for when It'll you want to drive. Like PJ end. Yeah, but like then, when it's going the other end, <laughs> <laughs> who are they going with? like Rudy Gobert's going to have a fit uh, AD what, what happens when they play the Lakers it's Lob City they've got no chance of defending that that's what I can't mm-hmm. if they're going to go for the rim protector I get it but my understanding was that they were going to try and either trade Capella for picks to then swap for a wing or well, yeah, I mean, so that's the other thing which and the, and the name that keeps getting thrown about is Covington but yeah is that the art like, again one what he averages 12 points a game and two, how many shots do Harden and Westbrook take? Well, a lot. Is <laughs> a lot. So what, what's the production going to be in the wing here? 
Um, I mean, yeah, I find it strange because they're talking about the thought being of you know a big rim protecting centre, but I think Capella's like seventh in blocks at the, at the moment in the in for the season. I think he's averaging quite a lot of rebounds as well. You said over thirteen, so it's it's not like he's doing terribly. And as you said, the other things apparently they they want to try and get some picks to then make into a wing and another centre. And the two that come up will have come into the conversation are Covington, as you said, and Iguodala, who we'll probably mm. talk about later. And you have to ask yourself, how much does that improve the Rockets? And my opinion is not all that much. So, so yeah, I find I mean, it strange. I mean, Houston's main, like they've obviously we will talk about the fit between Russell Westbrook and James Harden a lot in terms of ha- like it seems like at the minute one does really well while the other one sort of sits in the corner. They can't get that balance right, but their main issue is defense. They're an awful, awful defensive team, and I think that does start from the perimeter these days. So I can understand the thinking yeah. between trying yeah, to get a wing like Covington, who obviously you said his um offensive production isn't very efficient. He's a, a decent three point shooter, but he's one of the better def- wing defenders in the league, maybe one of the best ones. Um, I yeah. saw a trade, according to Kevin O'Connor, anyway, that a a, tr- a three way deal was discussed between Houston, Atlanta, Minnesota, and then actually Golden State would be figuring on later into this where um, Covington would go to Houston, Capella would go to Atlanta, and then the picks, all the picks that came from that would go to Minnesota, who would then flip these mm. said picks to go to Golden State for D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo who Russell, yeah, I saw that they, as well. The Mark Stein claims the Warriors listing two offers for D'Angelo Russell, and we know that Minnesota have been very, very interested in for, you know... Since the summer, basically, um, uh, but that obviously that trade fell through because the Warriors didn't like the picks, basically, and so it's difficult to see how this all pans out. I'm honestly yeah. not. I'm not preparing myself for a mad trade deadline. I think it will be very tame. I don't. I mm. honestly, I think Covington will get traded somewhere because Minnesota are in the low key tank, high key tank actually, but Capella. Mm, I'm not too sure about that, and uh, D'Angelo Russell, I very much doubt it as well. Um, I, yeah, so. I'm, I'm, I'd put a lot of money on the basis of that D'Angelo Russell won't be going anywhere unless they get an unbelievable offer, because it's just not in the mm-hmm. Warriors' interest to trade him. They're gonna, the, the, it makes complete sense for them to wait until next year, assess the situation in the summer, and go from there, because they'll have a much bigger market as well than to trade D'Angelo Russell, and they could mm-hmm. then, in theory, because once they've got. Once they've got their main guys back as well, they can kind of then plan around what do they want to do with D'Angelo Russell? Are they going to try and fit him in with Stephen Clay or do they want to get a big or what, what are they going to do in that situation? Oh, I, I definitely so, think they'll be they'll be trading him. But You have to see... Oh, they how, might not, yeah, agreed. But I, you have I, to I see how Stephen and D'Angelo fit together. We haven't really seen it that no, much. It's so like three games, games before Steph yeah. got injured. And then mm. it'd make them a small ball team. But I think... <laughs> Clay can guard wings, he can do, but it'd just be that defensive, how defensively that backcourt handles up. Um, yeah. I want to get on to another Golden State Warriors alumni, actually, um, Andrea Guadala. A bit of beef has ensued in the NBA world it has indeed. today because, uh, according to David Aldridge, well, this is where I saw the tweet from anyway, that um, apparently Andrea Guadala is prepared to sit out for the rest of the season if Memphis isn't able to agree to a trade with one of his agreed-upon teams he designated before the uh, Thursday's deadline. Yeah, that's that not a good look for Iguodala, that, is it? Well, no, well, yeah, this, this I have seems some... like there's a bit of friction. 
between have, the, him and the Memphis team? I, I wouldn't say friction. I've got some sympathies for him on the basis of that when he was traded there, both him and the organisation mutually agreed that he wouldn't play for them until he's traded. Mm. Understandable. He is 36 years of age. Mm. If he does play on a team that was up and coming and wasn't meant to be in the playoffs and it was kind of meant to be in that weird little limbo situation in the league, that there's no point in him playing and then risking him getting a big injury and then essentially ending his career. And also for the Grizzlies, he was seen as a valuable asset that they could trade and get something good back for. So it made sense for him not to play if that was the route that he wished to take. And he, and oh, he yeah, I, I agree with that. But I feel like it has created a bit of friction with what some of the Grizzlies players so have said. Was, but I mean, it's, it's I more motivation. I think that there's probably just a bit of... Um, lack of communication or understanding between some of the uh, in terms of the front office and the back office and then also the the players themselves with Jar Morant coming out and quote retweeting um a tweet suggesting that once Iguodala's left the Grizzlies they can finally show him once they play him what they're all about um and Jarman echoing that yeah that will be good Jarman echoing that to which you know obviously Steph Curry himself obviously seen that as then put a picture on his Instagram story of Iguodala with his um, finals MVP. Finals yeah. yeah. Um, upon which then John Morant went back at him with a picture of Kevin Durant <laughs> with his finals MVP. Yeah, so, you know, it's just that... a, it's a little bit of that. I quite liked it from John Morant, but yeah, I like it as well. It's just a bit of banter. Uh, if they want to use it, if the Grizzlies want to use it as motivations, try and push on. I'm fine with that. You know, but there's, there's, there's only a good thing. I don't know why Godala won't play for them. I mean, I don't know why. I understand why. But they can make the playoffs if they have someone like Godala playing. Yeah, but there's some other but destinations that I think he's yeah, looking at that have got opportunities title, to win it all. So. No, no, I know. Yeah, but exactly. If they, if you know, he's he's on a lot of money and um, he's quite old. So if if like teams don't want to offer that up for him, I, I think it's a bit. Yeah, but... I think it's a bit of a bad look if he does. He never it, plays the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think he's ever visited Tennessee in his entire time being a Memphis Grizzly player. Yeah, but you know what his aspirations are. Mm. Oh, we know. You know, there are teams that will go for him though that have those aspirations as well. So I think he's pretty confident he's going to land on one of those teams. I don't know if it'll be before Thursday. I'm still pretty confident no team's going to go for him until they buy him out. But unless they buy him mm-hmm. out, sorry. Um, but I. I can kind of I, I can sympathise with it on the basis of that if there was a deal made before of the of an understanding that he won't play and now the situation's changed for Memphis, it shouldn't I it shouldn't change for Iguodala. Yeah, I do have a degree of sympathy yeah. for that. I think everyone does. It's um, not his fault that they've done better than what they expected and now they want him to come back when it was agreed that he'd get traded. Yeah, fair play, yeah, fair play. Um anyway, shall we move on to a small little debate? About point guards, shall we say? Um, mm-hmm. Some of the league's best point guards have had some shining moments these past few weeks. I think Damian Lillard is the name on everyone's lips. He has been a yeah. true. He's been, you know, absolutely on a tear over the last yeah. ten games. He's averaging forty-one point six points, five point four rebounds, and nine point three assists, and he's shooting fifty percent from three-point range, which is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think. That game against the Lakers, obviously, that was a f- the first game the Lakers played in the Staples Center as well since the uh, the Kobe Bryant incident, which uh, was a very emotionally poignant evening there. Yeah. And um, 
he put on a display that I think you'll look back on his career and you'll remember that as one of his, you know, defining games, I think, of his career. Um, 48 points, 10 assists and nine rebounds. And, you know, he was hitting some tough shots going to the rim against guys like Anthony Davis, who is one of, as George said, one of the best rim protectors in the league. And then, uh, so he's been unbelievable. So has Russell Westbrook, who is his old rival. They're, They're not good mates, those two. And yeah, they've been going at it for a while now. Yeah, over his last 10 games, actually, he's been averaging 32.6 points, shooting 51.6% from the field, 8.8 rebounds, 8.8 assists. You know how Russ does it. 2.1 steals yeah. as well. Um, Though he's still shooting very, very poorly from free, about the 25% mark, his free throw percentage has improved, which is a slight, you know, benefit. Um, And then Kyrie Irving, who hasn't really had that same sort of purple patch as these guys, but Against the Bulls the other night, he had 54 points, five assists, and five rebounds. And um, he shot 82.6 from the field and 90% from the line. So he now holds the true, the highest true shooting percentage in a 50-point game in NBA history. Damn, so, that's very impressive. Mm, yeah, yeah, very impressive. So I'm just going to pose this question to you and let the chaos yep. ensue. So if we're assuming Steph Curry is the, the best point guard in the league, which he is... Um, I'm going to rule James Harden and Luka Doncic out of this conversation because Luka is a bit young still. He hasn't played in the playoffs. And James Harden technically is a shooting guard, though he plays point guard most of the time. Um, Who would you say is the second best point guard in the league? Lewis, I'll let you take this one first. Oh, you had to push me into it, didn't you? For God's sake. Um, What's difficult? If I... I'm assuming we're not passing LeBron James as point guard. No, obviously yeah, not. It's no, not no, the no. same with the James Harden argument, even though James Harden does a lot of the time. Yeah, he plays point guard. All right, so how would I approach this? If it came to who would I trust the most in Ooh. those high octane situations? No, we know who he's going for it then. I think I would have to pick Kyrie. I think. Oh, okay. I wasn't I expecting. I think I'd have to pick Kyrie. For me, I'd probably put, even though he's the probably the most complete of them, Russ, I'd probably put him third. Just personal mm. preference. You know, I think you can choose whichever one of these first. Make the argument no one's going to go you. I think Dame right now is performing the best. I really like Dame. I think he's incredible. He's obviously had those big game moments in the playoffs as well with like sending the Thunder home last year. But if I had to pick, I think even with his apparent off-call issues just because he's you know he's got a ring he's been there been to the finals he's performed in the finals you know he balls out he's great to watch which you know isn't a factor on if he's better but he is great to watch <laughs> i think i'd have to give my vote to Kyrie. george you go for it see it's a tough one um it is a very tough one i understand your Kyrie point i get it i do um but I think that times have, times have changed. It's not the finals of what we saw Kyrie. We've got a different Kyrie now. Um, Damian Lillard, this past year has been nothing short of sensational. Um, yeah, agreed. In terms of what he did last year, broke up the Oklahoma City Thunder, pretty much disbanded that team. Um, and I can't look I want to say someone else, but I'll get slandered for it. 
but I can't. <laughs> I know he's in your head. <laughs> yeah, he knows in my head. But I'm not going to put him above him. But I think he'd be my third option anyway. But that I can't say. Wait, it's who, not. Who are you talking about? I'm, I mean, I'm not. Talk, oh, I'm not. talking about Damien Lillard. But my third option would be Ben Simmons. But we'll yeah, can't. Oh, okay, you, know, right. you know, you know, he was going to say that. <laughs> No, no, um, no. <laughs> and, and, and and you know there's some complications over if we're going to list him as a point guard anyway. But um, no, as a point guard, he's just can't shoot. But anyway, anyway, we're taking, we're taking, we're taking, we're going down a meandering dot, away from the main point. Go on. I mean, Dame's second in the league for points this year, unbelievable. And the fact that he hit that three last year just solidified it for me there and then. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. For structure purposes, I don't actually believe this, but I'll make the case for Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, we well, you, I know you definitely don't, don't would beat Russ, but yeah, make the case. Out of all of these players we've suggested, who's the only one with an MVP trophy, a most valuable player trophy under his belt? I, no, no, I fair, yeah, absolute fair play. As Lewis said, actually, the most complete of them. Yeah. Uh, with his um, rebounding and his yeah, playmaking. Agree. I think his playmaking goes quite underrated because... People see him as this, you know, shot chucker, ball hog type thing, but he's one of the best playmakers in the league. Maybe uh, one of the best playmakers of all time. Um, Louis, Louis, I completely yeah. understand your point. I get it. You will not he is find a dog. someone. He is a dog. Yeah. Oh, oh, that that man has heart. Let me tell you. And oh. there is no bigger fan than the Brody than me. But in he has terms too of... much heart potentially. Well, it's not even that. In the playoffs, he's never really done it. And the game against the Blazers, he was, no other word, in the last six minutes of that final quarter, abysmal. He gave away the (laughs) ball so much. He took silly shots. He literally rushed the shot clock when they had no need to, when they were up by like 12. He didn't really, it it was game management in terms of from him there that was pretty poor. And then, I mean, on his MVP, uh, you can't hate it was an MVP, but I mean, I'm not going to also disagree with the people that state that he stole Stephen Adams' rebounds every game. So, you know, we can, yeah. No, he deserved uh, it. Oh, he no, definitely deserved it. it. I'm, not, I'm not saying he didn't. People can, people can make the case of James Harden having that MVP oh, action. I, I, it's a strong I, case. Absolutely. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. He fully deserved it. But I will also not argue with people that say that he stole Stephen Adams' rebounds. Hmm. I think in terms of the way the NBA is played, obviously it's a perimeter-based game. Although I did have to make the case for Russell Westbrook. I think he's a better playmaker than both Kyrie and Damian Lillard, actually. And yeah. he's obviously a better rebounder. Mm. Um, it's just a shooting that, you know, Dame can call his own shot and we know Kyrie can at the highest, highest level. Uh, I don't think Russell Westbrook has that ability, quite simply. When, yeah, when I, the game I, gets tight and the paint gets packed, it's hard for him. It really is. Yeah, I think it's the playoffs things that George said as well that makes me mm. put him third. Like, they're all amazing players. I'm not trying to have a go at any of these. No, no. But for me, he would be my third one. And then, honestly, I, I would flip-flop between Dame and Kyrie on any given day. Like, yeah. it just, it, it's just... Where, where are we putting John Wall? <laughs> John Wall! You're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I want to see John Wall back on the court and bowling. Who, yeah, I mean, you know, I he's definitely back on the court, but... He's not Yeah, he was never really involved in this conversation. I, don't, I think people tried to lump him. But I'd say he's more on sort of the Mike Conley level. Do you know what I mean? Not not quite at this stage, but he's a very, very good player still. Don't get mm. me wrong. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just thought I'd give a shout to John Wall because we literally haven't talked about him this entire season. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been bloody injured. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate scenes. Uh, do we have enough time left for the last? Yeah, half? we can just quickly, quickly say them. Just quickly uh, say them awards we'd okay. mid season. So we'd give yeah. the awards. To. So yeah, we're midway through the season, so we thought we'd uh, take a little pick of who we think should win the awards at this stage yeah. of the season. Uh, I think all of us were basically going back on our pre-season decisions at this point. But um, who you two got for MVP? Yanis. I don't think that's debatable, to be honest. Yeah, Yanis as well. George? Yanis. Mm. Yeah. Second yeah, in so... points. So second in points per game, fifth in rebounds. Bucks have the best record in the league. PER's through the roof. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's debate. Most improved, Brandon Ingram? I said Brandon Ingram, yeah. George? Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, yeah. okay. So we'll move on to sixth man of the year. Lewis, you want to talk about this a little bit? I think it's Lou Williams personally. but Yeah, I put Lou Williams as well, but I would. I think it's very close between him, Montrez Harrell, and Dennis Schroeder's actually been really good as well. I'd throw him in the conversation mm. too. And there yeah, may be a little bit. I think Derek Rose is just a little bit below them, but if someone wanted to put Derek Rose in as well, I wouldn't hate on it. Hasn't Derek Rose been starting a lot? Yeah, that's the other thing. He has been in and out of the team more more so than the others. So George hates Lou Williams, really so he's probably going to choose Montrez Harrell. No, I'm picking Derek Rose. Okay, fair play. Well, yeah, no, I, I would like to see. I, I would like if Dennis Schroeder got the recognition. Though. That'd be quite cool. Nineteen point six assists a game. You can't look past that as a six man. Nineteen point well, six. Of the three I just mentioned are averaging over nineteen as well. So yeah. that's why I think it's really close. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Anyway, okay, so let's move on to the final one because we don't have a lot of time. Defensive player of well, the year. Well, just quickly, me... before the final one, rookie of the year, John Rand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, that was, getting, that, was big, but... that was a big dub for me there, John Rand, you know. Yeah, okay, but I so... would say come the end of the season, it could be Zion if he managed to push the Pelicans. Nah, he hasn't played enough games. He hasn't played nah. If he pushes the Pelicans into the playoffs nah. at the expense of the Grizzlies. No. That's a good case. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a chance. No, that's Brandon Ingram's. That's Brandon Ingram. And that's potentially even Lonzo Ball ahead of Zion. Yeah, but I'm talking oh. about rookie of the year. What are you on about? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. John Morant's played this entirety of the season. And oh, yeah, out. no. I'm, I'm just talking about the rookie yeah, of the year on a time. If they make playoffs, I'm not giving it to Zion. All right. Well, anyway, we haven't got much time. So let's quickly yeah. do the last one. Move on to defensive player of the year, which is for me the most contentious, actually. I think it's uh, very contentious between two, yeah. I think, personally for me, I've got to go for Anthony Davis just because of the impact he's had on the Lakers team as a whole. They were, you know, they were terrible last year. We all know that. And Pers- defensively, Pers- they're even worse. Okay. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Purely because okay. I was looking at it. Points allowed. Lakers and Jazz are almost identical. Blocks. AD's third in the league. Gobert's fourth. But Gobert gets over five more rebounds a game, which tips it for me. Mm. Okay. George? I mean, I'm going to say AD, but... Um... For me as well. Was... Another AD, Andre Drummond's been pretty unreal in terms of the defensive aspect of it. Mate, but, his team's know. like 12th in the East. That's, that's the yeah, problem. that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, that's I'll the give, issue. I'll give special shouts to your boy Ben Simmons, George, actually. And Yanis, yeah. they're both yeah. very good yeah. defensive players. Ben, ben Simmons this year has been, I think he's leading the league in, uh, the league in steals. He is well. leading yeah. the league in steals. And that's that. Um, so that's the mid-season award, you know. That's gonna be. We'll, we'll check that one in as a well. Very we'll quick see. one. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Where just we are got that in at the end. But um, but that's that. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and peace. <laughs>